0: Hello and welcome to Audio Mission from Church Mission Society. I'm Trevor Smith. It's a famous definition of mission, seeing what God is doing and joining Him. And we hear from people who are simply responding to that this month. The first part of that definition involves looking for God in the world around us. We might think that it's even more challenging in a war zone, but today we hear in two parts from Lynn Trinieri, who is based in Meridi in South Sudan at Chima Christian Institute. Perhaps surprisingly, Lynn doesn't find it hard to find God in this most testing of situations. She brought Jeremy Woodham up to date.
1: The food shortage in Meridi is not the same as in other areas. In other areas, people can't go to their gardens, which are usually outside the town. They've got quite a big area. And they can't go because it's not safe. In Meridi, people can grow food but the other things they need like salt and soap and air time and clothes and things like that they spend everything they've got on those because there's an 800% inflation rate so I, you know, I, I don't know how people are surviving, I actually don't know how they're doing it I ask them and the answer I get I think it's God is with us God is with us
2: you've said that Meridi as a place is really close to God Mm. you were just sort of alluding to that just now talking about how people cope Mm. how is that what do you mean
1: what I mean is people are dependent on God so when they wake up in the morning they say thank you to God for bringing them safely through the night and um, that the sun is shining and that the family are with them and everything that they can think of to give thanks for they are genuinely thankful to God for it they don't take things for granted and expect to be given things so when they do get things they're really thankful and it starts off like that you say good morning how was your night to somebody and they say I slept really well Shukran rabbana which is thank you thank you god and then it, it carries on through the day god is included in all conversations planning uh, even teaching like where i where i teach at chima uh, it could be quite a difficult situation um because of the different tribes, different tribal mix that I have but actually it isn't we have a great time and I put that down to the fact that we pray before each lesson and we pray at the end of the lesson as well and we pray for God's inspiration so that I, I can teach English and they can understand it and learn from it but the Lord is with us in ways of helping us to communicate and to relate well to each other and to have fun and we have a lot of fun and that's that's how it's demonstrated to me and the love there is love abounding for one another and if there isn't that's odd it's not the other way around you know where people just exist together and you might love your mother or your child everybody seems to love a lot i feel very loved and i love people my heart overflows with love for them it really does. And I'm still, I can, I've can. i been there, going there now since 2011 and I am still shocked with how loving and kind and humble and gentle people are. And if people outside of South Sudan only know about them from the, the, the BBC news as when there's a big famine or when there's a big fight, they wouldn't know that the majority of people in South Sudan are god-fearing peace-loving people and i want people to know that and they want people to know that too
2: so how does that reconcile with the fact that we have got another civil war going on there who's fighting
1: yeah who's fighting so the government is fighting the what they call the rebels, they call themselves the government in opposition because there was supposed to be uh, an election in 2014 but that was never held because there was um, civil war broke out a few months before that election was meant to be held the war does seem to be concentrated along the border where most of the oil and um, resources can be found So, to be honest, I don't know all the political complexities of it, but what I do know is that I travel around South Sudan um, and the majority of people are not wanting to fight. It seems to be these these armies. And, you know, boys join armies for money and for adventure. A lot of people who join the army don't join it out of some political ideology. They want a job you know they want to travel or something and so they think it's going to be exciting to join the army and they so i think that's who's fighting
0: please keep the nation of south sudan in your prayers for peace and we'll hear more from lynn later on but now we turn to the philippines and the story of jigsaw kids ministries it's grown immensely over the 14 years since founders kate and tim lee and their family went out to manila with church mission society Six years later, they clearly understood that God was calling them home to Britain, so that Jigsaw could continue to grow as a Filipino-led project. Since that time, Tim has faithfully continued to nurture Jigsaw from the UK, making regular visits and seeing the local leadership team grow until now there is a fully Filipino board overseeing the work. With 10 community-based projects and a central outreach centre, the work Jigsaw do is wide-ranging and has transformed the lives of hundreds of children and their communities. At its heart, this change is all about what God in Jesus can do, as Tim told Jeremy Woodham recently.
3: What I see is that when Jesus comes into individual lives, it begins to transform them, um, transform their own security, their own spirit, and it transforms how they are, their outlook, their worldview, and it transforms their mind, and then it transforms how they live. And I think as those people go out bringing Jesus into other people's lives their love impacts those people in in, in a practical way. And as they share Jesus and the truths about God and Jesus, it it begins to transform them spiritually. But as as soon as Jesus is brought into those areas, something changes because the culture of Jesus is different from the culture of what's happening.
2: Um, We're talking about some very depressed areas, some slum Mm. squatter areas. We're talking about people living... On the streets as well, we're talking about very vulnerable people and young people. You have seen this whole ministry of Jigsaw grow up and indeed people from those communities become leaders. Mm. Can you tell me somebody's story so that we can see in in real practical terms what you've just mm-hmm. described?
3: One that comes to mind is a, a young lady. Uh, maybe we call her... Um, jasmine uh she was a girl living in urban poor slum depressed area she was not going to school she was uh, selling flowers on the streets and then jigsaw got to know her and lots of practical things happened so she she was brought into jigsaw she came to our kids clubs she was about 13 or 14 at the time so she, she she came part of that family uh a chance to play be part of of those clubs, but also she was taken on to our school sponsorship program where uh, over the years she graduated from that and then she was uh, picked out as, as, as somebody to go to university. She went to university to train to be a social worker, one of the best universities in Manila, which was supported by jigsaw in fact by supporters of jigsaw, supported to go there. and she came out of that as one of the top students and um, came back into jigsaw working with children back on the streets and back in the slum areas. And it's transformed her life, uh, not just in practical ways, but it's giving her meaning. But on that journey, she also um, accepted Jesus into her own life. Uh, And and the knock-on effects of Jesus being in there has, has, has affected her family life, how they are as a family. But her life was completely changed by people caring about what happened to her
2: what's been the impact of jigsaw on some of those areas where you work what do you see happening when you've created so there are what 10 um centers Mm -hmm. uh, community-based projects around the city what do you see happening when jigsaw starts working in one of those areas
3: i think um that there's short-term impact uh children uh, begin to eat, eat better. Um, there's opportunities for health and welfare uh, ministries, places for children to play, schooling. So there's, there's things which happen quite quickly and they have impact, improving children's lives. But over a period of 10 years or more, 10, 11 years, what we see, there's some really deeper things happening. A lot of the children, what we see is what's, the most important thing for children is the context that they live in. If they live in a context which uh, is child-centred, which cares about children, is loving and caring, they will grow and develop. Um, But if they live in a context without that love and care, um, it's insecure. And what we see over a period of time is this real growth of love for children. Yes, children need schooling, clothes, food, but more than anything, they need a community that loves them. And we see that that's what's growing. Quite a lot of the children that we started with are now in their 20s and have their own children. One particular boy comes to mind and um, I seen it, I saw him in July with his two children and the love that he was able to give those children because he knew love. He was loved and the verses that we can love because we were first loved is key. So we, we see a growth of child caring community.
0: Please keep jigsaw in your prayers as they continue to face new and disturbing challenges, such as the rise of abuse of children over the internet as people pay to watch children being abused. Now for the second part of our conversation with Lynne Trenieri, who is joining in with what God is doing in South Sudan. When it comes down to it, she told Jeremy Woodham, this means simply being with people who are living through such dangerous times. How do you describe
2: the essence of your mission, your call in Meridi?
1: You know... I do say this a lot and I think about it because I want to be useful. I really want to serve God and make sure that I'm a blessing to him, blessing to others, even a blessing to myself, that I'm living the life that, that the Lord prepared for me or wants for me. So I do question myself, is this still true? And it seems to be that the main role I have in Meridy is being there as an outsider, sharing their lives, seeing their the the way that they're living and that sh- and their difficulties that they're coping with, and yet being very strong and carrying on with life, and to, uh, to also to to represent the global church with them so it's, it's it's not just me being there but it's CMS UK being there it's the Church of England being there it's the Scottish Episcopal Church are there it's everybody who's praying for these people I'm there in presence to remind them that they're not on their own and to share the love of God with them and God just gives me bucket loads and I think they, it's as well, it's reciprocated. They are so loving to me. I feel very loved. I feel very much a part of the community. And it's, it's not hard. Some things are hard, but it's not hard to love them. I find them very lovable. <laughs>
2: very lovable people. <laughs> what is hard?
1: What is hard is people not having enough food when you know there is enough food. They just can't get at it. People not having clothes. People not having houses that are waterproof. Not having access to good medical care. People dying unnecessarily. People losing their children. Yeah, that's quite hard.
2: Where is the anger go?
1: I don't know, because I don't know everything. And the thing is, this situation has been going on so long. It's almost... I don't even know if the anger's there, because people were born into this situation and they're used to it they are used to it It, all right they're disappointed greatly disappointed by the um, turn of events with independence not going very well but people just get on with things that's life that's what they say life's like that you know one of my friends there he lost um People in the in the ransacking of a village by the army and had his uncle who was a chief kidnapped who hasn't been found and two days morning two days later he's um, leading the, our diocesan leadership mo- um, meeting. Um, we have devotions every Monday morning, full of the Holy Spirit, really like rejoicing in his suffering and people take that seriously people don't read that bit and think yeah maybe when it comes to it oh I hope I will they are living that
2: what is the one thing you'd like to say to the church here about South Sudan
1: I think we can learn from the church in South Sudan rather than teach them actually as far as loving each other goes which is the number one thing we're supposed to be doing as Christians I think they've got things to teach us um, apart from being humbled, walking humbly before God, people can teach us. I'd like them to know that, that I'm very humbled by the people there.
0: And we are humbled by you, Lynn. Now to close this month, Luke Larna, a lay pioneer in Luton and a member of God Squad, the Christian Motorcycle Club, reflects on his experience of mission as something that belongs to God.
4: I'm very passionate about spending time with people who are on the margins of society, people who maybe are written off by the mainstream of society. Um, I spent some of my time as a lay chaplain in a homeless shelter, and I've really found just incredible glimpses of beauty and of God's kingdom emerge in those environments. And uh, I like this metaphor of mission as being like a midwife. It's almost, uh, or as a gardener, it's, it's tending this beautiful new life that we discover emerging um, here and there and at times it almost feels like just trying to stay out of the way I guess it's really very challenging you don't want to quench what God is already doing in people's lives you just wanna celebrate it you wanna join in with it with people who are often extremely fragile and hurt and broken people so it's, it's incredibly hard to put it to words, really, but I guess I just show up and see what happens, I suppose. <laughs> One of the places I've really noticed God at work is uh, through this 12-step drug and alcohol community that meet in our parish building. And they hire it very independently of the life of the church. But I met up with some of the leaders of that group alongside our previous vicar, and... Um, we were exploring for these guys who'd encountered Jesus through their recovery, but not through any real experience of church. In fact, most of them had never really been to any kind of church service or anything like that. And uh, we started talking about what would it be like if we could do church for people from that kind of background, or what would discipleship look like for people from these kind of backgrounds. And um, we had this meeting in the vicarage uh, with with these two guys, and we went round and introduced ourselves and said a bit about ourselves and, and both of these guys said words to the effect of um, well I'm not really sure if I'm a Christian but um, Jesus has saved my life and I read the Bible every day and I pray and meditate morning and night and Jesus is at the centre of, of my life and everything I do and I said to these guys have uh, got some bad news for you lads I'm, I'm pretty sure that does make you a Christian <laughs> and uh, it was just beautiful and it has been continue to be incredibly beautiful seeing these tender shoots of faith grow towards maturity Uh, some of these guys have been baptised now we're we're baptising another guy on Sunday Um, and it's just been an incredible journey of of very small very fragile growth but real life happening Um, and it's, it's never going to turn into a mega church, it remains extremely challenging to maintain large numbers in the meetings that we do but if we can just put our egos to one side uh, it's just been this incredible journey of seeing God transforming lives and it's impacted me at least as much as it has uh, the guys in the fellowship maybe more. When I started studying with CMS on the Pioneer course I wasn't even really familiar specifically with the concept that mission is who God is although it was in part of my DNA I think it's been at the center of the Ministry of God squad Uh, since its beginning but really what it means is being so much more free. Where I live in Luton the needs are just staggering at times Uh, the level of suffering and injustice is quite staggering especially given that we're five miles away from one of the wealthiest towns in the country and I guess being confronted by that much need if you think it's down to you to strategize uh, to deliver good work good mission and work that's a recipe for burnout that's a recipe for extreme stress and depression but knowing that mission belongs to God and that mission is who God is that God continues to go about his mission of redeeming and restoring all that he has made that he's been doing it long before I was born and will continue to do so long after I'm gone that's freeing me to be more present day by day to not beat myself up too much when things don't work out how I want them to. And it's freeing me to not worry too much about the numbers because it belongs to God. I know I can't do it. Um, I could maybe try and fake it, but I can't really do it. So so mission belonging to God is extremely freeing.
0: Luke Lana's reflection on finding freedom in mission bringing this edition of Audio Mission to a close. Thank you for listening and join us next time for more voices from God's global mission.